0: Good morning and welcome into the great Scott show. The great sports callers. Open, think, think. Happy to have you with me this morning, guys. It is a Friday. Finally. Sheesh. It's a Friday and uh, we got a busy, busy weekend. And we got a busy show this morning. Gus Cottingale, Saints Pels correspondent, going to join me in about 15 minutes. And I'm guessing we'll chat a little bit about the old Danger Russ. Russell Wilson pulled the old, are we, are we, are you sure we're good? Because if we're not, it's okay. It's okay if we're not good. There's some other fish in the sea. But, 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 uh, but how do you feel? It's okay if we're good or if we're not good. But if we're not good, there's some other chicks I could date. When you say somebody broaches the subject Matter of a potential trade, even though they're not demanding a trade, just broaching the subject matter, that is all a PR tactic. Now, I admit that when Russell Wilson began his campaign during Super Bowl week when he was making the media rounds, his PR campaign, asking for more control, asking for more help in Seattle... I said, I think he is just making a move to try to get more sway within the organization. Now, several listeners say, I think this is him trying to get traded at some point. And in this regard, some of the listeners may have been right. Because I got to tell you, the way that this thing continues to play out feels very much like a a marketing campaign. Now, why why would it matter? Why why does it matter how you go about it? What is the difference between what Russell Wilson is doing and what Deshaun Watson is doing? Well, I I think what what the end result for both of those situations are. I mean, David Culley, former UL assistant, now the head coach of the Texans, sat down with Deshaun, and Deshaun's like, "Yep, cool, thanks. Nothing's changed. Trade me, or I ain't playing for you." With Seattle, it's different. See, in Houston, the perception of the franchise around the league, I can't speak for in Houston. I'm guessing a lot of the fan base probably is, is disgusted. But the perception around the league about the Houston Texans currently is that it is a poorly run franchise. Do I need to lay out all of the evidence? I think if you're a sports fan you already know. That is the perception around the league. The perception of the Seahawks around the league is it's a pretty good franchise, consistently good. They've won a Super Bowl in the last decade. They got a star quarterback, they have a successful coach. They win games, they got a great fan base. Ownership gives support to 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 the coaches and the players and management. That's the perception around Seattle. Now look, behind closed doors, I don't know. I don't know. Apparently there's a rift between Wilson and 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 Pete Carroll. But my point is for Deshaun Watson saying, Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Sorry, I just always think of that woman in Habby Gilmore whenever I hear the phrase, get me out of here. The perception around the league is like, yeah, I guess I don't blame him. Now, if Russell Wilson's like, trade me or I'm not playing, it's a little different. Being that the situation in Seattle's good, from the outside, anyway, the perception. Being that he is um, the Walter Payton man of the year and, and always talks about how great everything is and the fans and everything else. Like, for Wilson, it would matter. He would not want to... It matters to Russell if he were to leave Seattle and everyone's like mad at him the way, say, Pelicans fans were at AD. Like That would bother Russell Wilson. So maybe he's meeting with his management team, publicist team, and he's like, you know what, this rift between, this alleged, reportedly there's a rift between he and Pete Carroll, this rift between Pete and I, this situation, me getting hit 400 times a season. Me wanting to cook, them not letting me cook, them running the ball constantly, the offense, not this, not that, whatever it might be. All of this, yeah, I uh I wouldn't mind playing somewhere else. But I don't want to just come out and say, hey, trade me or I'm just gonna sit out, because I don't want to do that. That'd be a bad look for me. Like for for think of it this way: for Russell Wilson, it is for football reasons. For Deshaun Watson, it is for deep. Personal reasons, off-the-field reasons, ownership. Jack Easterby comes into the thing, and this kind artist is now basically running the show in Houston and doing all kind of crazy stuff. I mean, Andre Johnson didn't say two words during his career, and he comes out publicly on social media and rips the situation in Houston from an ownership standpoint because they've got this former team chaplain essentially in the ear of the owner and, and calling all the shots. Again, a personal thing. Now, you could say, well, look, it's personal with Wilson and Carroll. That's probably a small part of it, but when you listen to Russell Wilson trying to put these words out into the universe to gain some steam, to gain people on his side, to say, you know what, Russ has a point. It is all football-related things. Now, look, Russell. Let's be honest. You're out there saying, "Oh, I want more control." I think I think great players should have more control, personnel control. Dude, you really think if. There is a single team in the league that's going to let a player go into the draft room on draft day with the scouts and say, "I want that guy." You could try to compare it to the NBA and say, "Oh well, look, LeBron, and he gets these guys to sign." I mean, he 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 does have some sway. That's LeBron. That's a different sport, and LeBron also isn't, you know, in in the scouting department when it comes to the draft. But when it comes to free agents, yeah, he's got some pull. Clutch Sports, that guy's a client, and he's good, and I think he fits on this team. Cool, yeah, come on down. Goes to his ownerships. Get this guy on my team. A little different right now in Seattle. A little different with Russell Wilson. Football-related reasons versus personal reasons. So this long game from a PR standpoint that might end with him getting traded, and initially there were there was a report out there of four teams, the Saints the Bears, the Jets, and the Dolphins. And then Adam Schefter reported last night that he hasn't demanded a trade from the franchise, but had his agent say, if you do trade me, these are the four teams I would like to be traded to. What do you mean? Guys, I don't want to break up, but if you want to break up, I mean, do you want to break? Do you? Do you want to break up? I mean, I don't want to. I mean, maybe. How do you feel? What do you feel? I mean, it's kind of weird, right? This thing, this whole vibe and, and, yeah. And Schefter says the four teams are the Bears, Cowboys, Raiders, and Saints. Huh? 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 You know, Russell Wilson is one of eight players in the league, one of five quarterbacks and eight players overall that have a no-trade clause. Two other players that currently have a no-trade clause in their contract are actually Deshaun Watson, and one, Drew Brees. And everyone's saying, Drew, when when are you going to retire? Speaking of Drew Brees, Russell Wilson has consistently said that was one of his idols growing up, his football idol. Why? Because, you know, they're both under six feet tall and play quarterback. That's probably some of it, and they're good, and they're competitors. And wait, Russell Wilson might want to go to the Saints? Got a good relationship with Sean Payton. I, I think the immediate reaction for many are, well, the Saints can't do that. <laughs> look at the salary cap. Saints can't pull that off. Look at that. Look at. That. Okay. If the Saints really wanted them, they could pull it off. If they really wanted him. Now, the Saints haven't said anything. The Saints haven't hinted in anything. Nothing like that. Although you have had some Saints players like Michael Thomas throwing up things on Instagram and pictures of him with Russell Wilson. I'm sure that's making Jameis feel great. Look, getting Wilson to a more, more affordable cap number actually isn't hard. The money that's on the books for him next season is 19 mil in base salary. $5 million roster bonus next season. No, 2022, excuse me. $19 million base salary, $5 million. So his, his cap numbers on his contract the next three seasons are 19 mil, 24 mil, 27 mil. That's a lot, but guess what? You can lower his 2021 number into a signing bonus, spread out the 17-bill-over seasons. You can work out an extension for him the moment you trade for him, hypothetically in this situation, and boom, problem solved for now. Now, the following season and the season after that, again, the cap situation continues to look more and more dire, and as we know, Mickey Lewis is kind of like, yeah, we'll kick it down the road. We'll worry about it later. And there would probably be some key players you wouldn't be able to re-sign. And there would probably be, you know, some you'd be bargain shopping at the end of free agency. My point is, to say that it's impossible is just to not understand the salary cap at all. I'm not saying I'm betting on this to happen. But I ain't telling you that it's not. Doable? Yeah. Wouldn't be easy. Look, the Saints have limited draft value to offer. They're right now projected to be 65 70 mil over this year's salary cap. But to say that if 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 Seattle calls, they wouldn't be interested? Brother, they would be interested. They would push cap costs into future years, including Russell Wilson's, just as they did throughout Breeze's tenure. Now they might have to trade or release some core pieces to make it work. But they would be interested. Now, they don't have the most in terms of draft compensation to offer and stuff like that. Let's talk more about this with our boy Gus Catengel coming up next. Plus the Pels. Why is Eric Bledsoe taking the last shot last night? Why is he even on the floor? Sorry, I got mad just thinking about it. Um, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Steve Pelican will join me a little bit. Cajun softball falls to LSU last night. We'll talk a little bit about that among other things. That's some sound from Jerry Glasgow. We'll get you set for a really, really busy weekend in sports, especially UL sports, among other things. That's all coming your way. But up next, Gus Kattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Danger Russ? and Nola. Is it possible? Is it probable? And is it possible? You might get a different response for both of those things. But we're going to chat next right here at ESPN1420.com. Back in three minutes. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the great Scott show. The great sports callers open think tank. How's that weather today? Mostly cloudy. High of 77 tonight. Partly cloudy. Low of 64. You are listening to the great sports callers open think tank, whether it be on the, uh, the airwaves terrestrially or on the stream. ESPN 1420, listen live on your desktop, mobile device, or the app that is brought to you by Champons Market in the Oil Center. Champawn's going the extra mile. Maybe some of you Catholics out there, you want to grill up some delicious fish or shrimp or something like that tonight. Maybe you're not Catholic, you just want to throw some steak on the grill or some nice cut of meat. They got plenty of good stuff over there. Check it out. In the meantime, Gus Catengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent is, is here with me this morning from the Crescent city live on the phone line. Gus Russell Wilson, huh? I mean, um, I think the answer of, is it possible? And is it probable are two different answers to the question, but I don't think the answer to, is it possible is no. Um, I laid out different scenarios and things, um, and, 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 I, I, I am starting to believe based on the things he started in Super Bowl week that it kind of did feel like a longer media campaign to eventually get to this point and do whatever they could, his camp, to spin it as, hey, look, I'm not – I didn't ask. I didn't demand it. I love Seattle. But, you know, I, we just said, hey, look, if you're thinking about it, I mean, here is – but but, I I, don't – I mean, I don't, we don't have to break up. Do you want to break up? I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe – What? how do you feel about all this? Like, that's how this whole – situation feels but it started with putting things out there into the public so that by the time you got to this point the arguments from one side of it uh would already be out there yeah we'll look at what they've done in the draft yeah and look at how many times he's been hit and yeah and look at this is that where are you at in terms of feeling like this was a long game for Russell Wilson to eventually work his way out of Seattle
1: yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to not look at it that way, Scott, right? Um, but that's kind of what we are, man. I and mean, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. And I think, you know, the Sean Watson and his high profile and how good um, that a lot of people feel that he can be is not the end. And you and I even talked about it. It would probably be more at the beginning. We've referenced it and used the same phrase, I think, together in terms of we're about to see an NBA-like free agency at the end um, going here. And I think what you're going to see more and more is players kind of exploring it in this direction, and the NFL's never had that. And what's going to be interesting is that the owners and teams have never gone through stuff like this. And also, um, the you know, Ownership and, and, and the commissioner has never kind of gone through it, so I, I am interested to see how they, they move forward uh, with all of this. But I don't know what you can really sort of do. But you know, I mean, it's got it's sort of like the, the phrase I always say, where you know when you hear a player say, you know, well, I want to win, and then I, I've always talked about that phrase. I can't stand it because I don't really ever recall players saying, well, I want to lose or I don't want to do that. So. Um. So I, my, my thing I always look at it from this perspective: is what, what's to say that one player's desire to win or want to win outweighs another player's perspective to want to win and desire to win on that team? And I think that's the tough aspect of it. You know, looking at it from a team standpoint and looking at it from an individual standpoint.
0: Of um, was that wait a hey, minute? Wait a minute! I'm sorry. Maybe, was that was that a yeah. rooster? Was that a rooster to in the rooster. back? That's <laughs> a rooster. Good morning, everybody. To... That was amazing. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I couldn't. No, I couldn't he, let um, that one go.
1: <laughs> he's uh, he's affectionately known as the Gallo, okay. which is you know rooster in Spanish. And uh, the Gallo Carver liked him for a bit, but now he lives literally above the tree, above the shed, oh right next gosh. to us, and he and McQueen have a stare off like they're doing right now. The, uh, McQueen being the your
0: dog. I, I didn't know there yeah. was a rooster in your neighborhood. I didn't know you live next to a farm, bro. No. We there he is I, again. I the guy. <laughs> the <guy-o. laughs> Um I don't. He, um, I don't know how he made his way over to the, I mean, I live
1: forward,
0: so. I dude. I just, I just, <laughs> I swear, I just got a message from a listener that just asked, does mm-hmm. Gus live on a farm? The answer is no, he does yeah. not. But, no. uh, but there's yeah. a rooster in the Only neighborhood. he does
1: not have a farm. And there we
0: go. Now it's, the four-month-old puppy versus the I don't know how old rooster neighborhood rooster. That's kind of that's <laughs> impressive, man. Hey, if nobody was up in your neighborhood, they are now. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to add a rooster soundbite to our segment every week. Mm-hmm. Just when you come on, now we're gonna have the Gallo kind of wake up everybody. It's time for your cup yeah. of of saints and Pell's talk. You know, I, I think Gus, when it comes to this ESPN 1420, these situations, I I, I don't like, and, and I've I think I've told you this. I I don't like that mm-hmm. phrase player empowerment era because yeah. you just laid it out there are thousands of players that all want to win there are thousands of players that all want to make a living there are only a very very <laughs> thank you to a very very select few that can call that, that can basically be in, in essence a shot caller so it is, it is the era of absolutely elite plow, player empowerment movement, and they're utilizing some of that power in sport. Now, the difference between Watson and, and Wilson, Watson's feels more like a deeply personal issue with ownership right. Right. And, and Jack Easterby. Wilson's, at least he wants the perception to be, based on what he did during Super Bowl media week, that it is all football-related, you know, and yet there are reports out there from The Athletic that he and Pete Carroll have a rift. So perhaps it's a little more personal than anything else because it's not like right. some of these things Wilson's asking for. Let's say he's traded to Dallas or Vegas or New Orleans or Chicago. <laughs> it's not like suddenly he's going to be in the room with the scouts, you know, telling them who they should draft or who he wants them to draft. Like some of these things he's saying he wants, not necessarily going to get somewhere else, but guess what? From a PR standpoint, it kind of sounds good. It kind of sounds like a guy that just wants to, to, to win football games. But let's not act like Seattle hasn't been winning lots and lots of football games. So that's Scott, why that's it just feels like a long PR up. game, you know? You
1: know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I'm sitting there yesterday looking at it, and obviously out of the four teams, so look, let's just take Adam Schefter's tweet for, for what it was. And I look, at the end of the day, his agent is his agent, and his agent did exactly what he wanted to do, right? It's what you're saying. Hey, I didn't request a trade, but, I mean, if you guys kind of want it, uh, here are the 14th. So he could have just said, hey, look, he hasn't requested a trade. That could have been the text. It could have been, you know, um, those reports are not exactly, you know, entirely accurate. He could have responded, you know, so many different ways. But he specifically, but he specifically said about um, the teams that he liked, and those teams that he liked were, you know, named. So when you name them, that's, you know, I mean, I can promise you, I come home and either or my employer like, kid, well, I mean, you know, it's fine, but I wouldn't mind working here or there. I mean, that you put that in his head, you know, same thing. Um, Uh, I I just but like I said I I understand it to an extent and then there's a point where I'm like I mean do you think Medcalf doesn't want to win do you think some of those players that work hard as well don't want to win and that's why I don't care for sort of that whole he's not winning so get into that and look you know the media I wouldn't the complicit's not the word I want to use but you know you will literally sit there all day yesterday and for the last several weeks about Deshaun Watson they haven't done enough for him I mean I'm sitting here literally in the last three days this week, obviously we cover a lot of the NBA with the Pelicans on our station, and you know, we're talking about the Lakers what, four or five game losing streak, and well, literally, I just saw Kendrick Perkins, another guy, say, they haven't done enough for LeBron, haven't had him win. Injuries happen, man. I mean, losses and winning streaks and losing streaks. Um, Stuff happens, but it's just, it's like to say that this one individual player Whoever that is deserves more than any other of those players on that team to win just because they have more talent. It's it's silly to me. So I, I would go to describe you. that narrative, yeah. you know? Yeah, you I, just,
0: but, but I mean, it's, like, it's all part of the it's all there, part of the PR. Like for Watson, no, no, he doesn't really no, have to make like, it look
1: like he correct for, is not, you know, it's all football. Seattle stuff. It's yeah. not about Seattle and it's not about right. his teammates. You know, it's about they didn't let him pick plays. Now, granted, look, I, for the life of me, can't understand it, which is why I was talking about it in terms yesterday that the Saints have as good opportunity as any because they have one of the more proofs, right? I mean, they he knows, his agent knows exactly what the quarterback-player, uh, I mean, coach relationship is going to be like. He knows exactly how that offense is going to work. You know, they know exactly if the Saints are a part uh, or, or completely invested in all in of of, of how they want to operate and how they work and he knows everything. Whereas the, you know the Bears, Ryan Pace might not even be there. I mean, everyone's talking about they have to make a big splash of quarterbacks for let to me save his job. Let me, let me, let me can can I
0: want I want to throw in a quick theory and see what you think. ESPN fourteen twenty. The reason I think Chicago is on this this list of hey, it's not me, it's not you, or is it? it I don't want you to trade me, but if you do, here are four teams. I think Chicago is in there, um, which I, I could be wrong here, but but it's like Ryan Pace in his history of just giving up entirely too much. He could like one, it could drive up it could drive up the market and. I think Wilson also knows, like, if I go somewhere, I'm pro- based on the, my, my contract, if I go to any of these teams, they're probably going to have to extend me immediately. Like, certainly that's the case with the Saints, because they would need to lay out, you know, the contract so it doesn't all hit on the cap next year and the year after. They'd have to, basically what Mickey Loomis likes to do a lot, put some of that money in future years. Well, what we all know Ryan Pace would probably spend about – I don't know. He'd probably give him like a, 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 a like a six hundred million dollar contract. Like it would be, it would be so much. He also, the Bears would also offer a lot to try to get Seattle at least thinking about. Man, you know what? Maybe maybe it's possible. And yet, at the last second, if he wanted to. He has a no-trade clause in his contract, so he could veto it, but guess what? Now the market price has been driven up because any kind of negotiation is probably also going to entail discussions, not just with the Seahawks, but also Wilson's agent, and that Wilson's agent's saying, hey, look, man, they'll extend you. They'll do all the much this team's offering. You're like I, I just, I'd feel like throwing... Now, look, if he ends up playing for Chicago, hats off something will probably bad will probably happen to him i don't want that to happen but just look at the history of bears quarterbacks but i think it's i think that's just again all like raiders i could see cowboys i could see saints i could see bears that just feels like let me throw him in there because I mean, you want to drive up your value even more? Just, just, just dangle yourself in front of Ryan Pace, and he'll just basically give you all of his Social Security information, his address, credit cards. Here, whatever you want, Russ, anything you need, we got you. It's a good
1: theory. Um, and, and, look, here's the thing. At the end of the day, when you're desperate and you need to make moves and plays, exactly what, you know, you can sort of see that happen. And, like – you know, like we've been talking about, man, I think more than anything else, um, you, you, you see the battle of what the agents are doing, right? Because yesterday you also saw when the Russell Wilson started to catch fire from the morning from the athletic report to Adam Schefter's tweet. What did you see, Scott, around? I think it was like one-something yesterday. You saw all of a sudden the Deshaun Watson tweet. And the Deshaun Watson tweet was so clear if you're so used to like understanding how this stuff happens and, and what comes out of it um, and you see it yesterday where you know the one o'clock hour you see that sean watson met with the new head coach on friday which is a week today scott and in that meeting it was reiterated that he's not played for texas so understand that the tweet and the info that was reported yesterday was on a meeting that took place six days earlier.
0: Yeah, yeah. It could
1: yeah, have been released just, Thursday, Let's Friday, just wait Saturday, and hand Sunday, this out at the right Monday, time. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, his agent's going, wait a minute, whoa, 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 because we saw what happened. The second that he was seen to be made available, what, what there was a report 10 teams immediately called yesterday that, I mean, I spent my show you know, basically taking phone calls as to who's available and who's not for him and who you'd be willing to trade for him for the Saints. So when you think that he dominated for a minute in that cycle there, his agent said, Oh, uh, by the way, he's still available. You know, the Texans can be saying, Oh, they won all week, which they were NFL live, ESPN sports center during a day. I have it on the TV during my show. And that's all you kept hearing. I mean, that's, I, I played sound bites this week from Arslowski and everyone else who's saying the Texans are not going to trade them. They're holding fast. They hold the cards. And then the Russell Wilson thing happens, and you absolutely know his agent went, uh uh-uh. uh. We had a meeting last week, and we told them, heck no. So trade him. We're not playing. So it's funny to see which of the two are going to posture and position and stuff. If, no, this is the quarterback that you really want.
0: I think. Uh... ESPN 1420 and It's a uh, – it, behind the scenes, I just feel like maybe like 10, 15 years from now, there's going to be some documentaries about the art of whether it's successful or whether it fails. And in AD's case, I mean, regardless of what Pels fans and New Orleanians and those in South Louisiana want to say, I mean, it, it worked for him – and a lot of people feel like it still could have worked if he had done it a different way, and and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, here we are, February 2021. He's won a ring, and you know, still hadn't sent out that Instagram message to good old New Orleans. But you get my drift. Like the the art of trying to work your way out of something. Everyone's every one of them's a little different. The heart I think every case you have to look at differently. Um, I think in the case of Harden, it's kind of like man. I mean, they literally gave you every single thing you wanted, and you still bounced. Uh, the way Watson's doing it, the way Wilson's doing it, will it even work? Uh, it's it's a it's a beh- like there's so much more happening behind the scenes. But as you pointed out, the timing of when something is released by certain members of the media, like fan, some fans, not all, some fans are a little smarter now than they used to be in terms of how this stuff works behind the scenes, you know, and so in the day and age of the elite of the elite player empowerment era i think it is not like like if if this if this era had begun 20 years ago and it didn't you probably could have if you had uh, some you know a publicist that was a little more pr savvy you probably could have gotten what you wanted without taking any kind of heat because you know most of us just got our information from sports center and the local paper in the usa today and that was it now it's just everywhere and if wilson ends up getting traded i i will be anxious to see how seattle reacts are they going to say you know what you're the best thanks for everything you brought us this or are they going to basically give him the old number one with each middle finger and say see you later like i, <laughs> I i'm really anxious to see how this plays out and you know in regards to the Saints, as we wrap it up, one uh, one listener, he he tweeted at me, Gus, he said, you know, if Wilson doesn't get traded, he's he's already thrown his O line under the bus. So I'm busy about blocking for him, you know, that's a good point. But I think in regards to the Saints, I would not say it's like I would not say it's probable. I am gonna say it's possible. I would not say that it was possible if he didn't have that no trade clause. But because he has that no trade clause. It, it gives the Saints a chance, because let's be real, you know, I mean, we, we talked about the cap and I'm, I broke down the, how they could do it. But in terms of what they could offer, look, the Bears, let's say Derek Carr stays in Vegas, Prescott stays in, in, in you know, he signs in Dallas, they give him an extension, whatever. Chicago can send, you know, first round picks um, uh, that are that are higher. They're 2021 first, 2022 first, maybe they're 2023 first. They could put them all on the table. They could give them young players like Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney, who would be good options for Seattle. They can offer a lot more. Uh, and Ryan Pace is a guy, as we said, that'll just do that. So, in theory, the Saints, in terms of what they can actually offer, which would be some really good stuff, you know, some draft capital, maybe, you know, a Marshawn Lattimore, good player. All of that being said, it just if it's if it's a no if it's if there's no no trade clause and they can just send them wherever they want, I don't think the Saints have a shot in hell at this because of the no trade clause. I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's no way it could happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you you laid it out in a lot of different aspects of what can um, and can't, and I think you say it best by probable, possible. Um, You know, here's the other element of it, too. If you're you're Seattle, um, and and look, we saw it here with the Pels, too, to an extent. I mean, it's a completely change of of philosophy and thought process in that building, right? I mean, you're you're probably going through the Starbucks yesterday, and I'm completely stereotyping. But, I mean, you know, you're on your way to the office, and all of a sudden, by by lunch, you're not hungry because— the person that you absolutely depend on the most to try to win and put you in a position to win doesn't want to be there. Yeah. So that's what it kind of boils down to. Yeah, we saw and, it. And then all of a sudden now you're thinking, oh, wait a minute. So, I mean, I, and I think that's the thing with this is that you um, mean, I think it's very easy for people to look at, well, you know, they quote, unquote, didn't do enough. And look, in the, the Sean Watson thing, um Bill O'Brien was there 5 years too long. They gave him more power when they should have taken away power. His relationship with players was very questionable. The comments made by the like that that's an easy understand of maybe not people not wanting to be there. That said, he signed a 160 million dollar extension last year before the season. I mean, I I'm not saying that people can't change or something in a short amount of time, that to get you to to feel a certain way, but, I mean, that's kind of something you want to, you know, think about or understand before you do that. So, I understand in perspective, and at the same time, I can also look at it from an organizational perspective of, you know, I, I am investing in you with that kind of money for that long of time, because we're going to build around you, try to do things around you, and, in that. So, you know, and, and with Seattle's case, it's just, again, I, I, I've actually used this argument before, and, and Saints fans don't want to hear it, but in the Pete Carroll era and Sean Payton era, very similar timeframes, and the Seahawks have been the better team. They've won more games. Russell Wilson has never had a losing season. One of the things about the Drew Brees thing we've been talking about over the last several weeks, and, and the, just in the memes for the last week, Scott is you know, Drew Brees hasn't won enough, and and stuff. So it, it, it's just it's crazy when
0: you look at it because
1: Seattle was twelve and four last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Go, ahead, go ahead and tell everybody and, and you're, not, you're not uh, you're not you know you just want to win. Uh, all right, well, I, yeah, I got it. And man. Again, he,
1: he was he was the first MVP. I mean, he, the first half MVP. So I mean, that's the thing that's just crazy that. Day. Something you know, happened. Of course. Something if, something
0: yeah. like again, with Watson, it's clearly personal. I think with Wilson it's personal, right. but they don't want that to get out, so you spin it as it's all about football, and we'll see whether or not that actually works. Gus Catinger, we gotta let him run. Only a few more minutes. Final Saints thing, then one comment on the Pels Jameis Winston, uh the Saints haven't said anything. There's no rumors that the Saints are on the phone with Seattle or doing any of this stuff. And yet you got Michael Thomas, who a couple days ago put out a message on Instagram that he deserved every L he took. A very humble message, somewhat, you know, unexpected. And then, uh, you know, yesterday he's throwing up pictures of him and Russell Wilson. And if you're Jameis who wants to be a free agent and uh, Wilson stays in Seattle or goes somewhere else and you're like, hey, Mike, I'm supposed to be throwing you the ball here. Um, You you didn't even want me to re-sign here, bro. Am I uh, In the day and age of 2021 with social media – could, could Mike's Instagram photo he shared last night have an impact on the 2021 season?
1: Yeah, It just is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, look, it is just what it is. I mean, look, it, I, I actually, I sat there uh, yesterday and Todd texts me in the middle of the show and he's like, please stop. You know, just, you're, you're fooling yourself because, We're now two and a half hours into the show and we're all just, I mean, this is going to be incredible. We're finding pictures of Russell Wilson and Drew Brees at the 2018 Pro Bowl. And Russ looks awesome with the silver mirror shades. And him and Sean clearly are talking about the next play to beat the Falcons. I mean, we're just going on and on. (laughs) And, and, and Scott, he's so right though. You know, it's like, it's the phrase that we've heard all our lives. The grass is greener and, and how dangerous that can be even as a thought, much less as you thinking that it's going to be better somewhere else because it happened right after he did that during the break. I said, you know what? I looked at my intern. I said, dude, if you don't get him, all of a sudden just saying, Oh, well, Jameis Winston's the starting quarterback feels like such a letdown and he didn't do anything wrong. Nothing. (laughs) same time. Scott, we, we've spent the last couple of days and weeks, right? I mean, I had Larry on from the athletic Larry Holder the day before. And he's like, look, it's going to be, cause I was telling, you know, I was having fun with him. Like, you know, we're still waiting for this announcement Why? he's like, stop it, man. You look at the salary thing that drew did, and, you know, he's hocking the copper sleeve, which only retired players do. I mean, all the stuff he's like, it's going to be James. And, and, and he's right. You know, we're playing sound bites. About Sean saying yes, and Mickey Lumos saying he loves the quarterbacks in the room, and all that. Then all of a sudden, wait, 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 there's Russell Wilson. Whoa, whoa, and whoa, you're whoa, not going to get him You're like, oh, oh, okay. It's it's Jameis. You know? You're right, right. What you start messing with everyone's
0: emotions, right? You talk to yourself right. into one thing, and then all of a sudden they're Why's like, dangerous. oh, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. I got to let you run. The grass last question. Why is Eric Bledsoe on the floor and taking the last shot last night?
1: Okay, well, that's two different answers, though, because it's two different questions. Um, he doesn't fit this team. Never did. I, I don't have as much of a problem on that shot on the simple basis of it. It was open, and it went in and out. Now, if he would have shot it like he did several possessions earlier from the left corner and he hit the side of the backboard, then yes, but... Mm-hmm. That offense and those points that they had last night have been moving the basketball, and whoever has the open shot take it. So he was open; it went in and out. I mean, that's that's a good look. It's a set three. It's not running. It's not um, contested really. It it, it just didn't go in. But to your point, and look what it was—he's four of nine at that point. I mean, I just think when you look at it. um, he doesn't fit that. I mean, whether it's Nall, whether it's you know Kyra, saw my timeline, all these other people that they should have on there. I mean, that's you know much longer discussion because he he doesn't fit this team. He, he'll have occasional moments of it, but.
0: And we, know, said that, we said that we said that when I mean that. I well I, I don't remember your take. I said that whenever that was the guy they decided to keep between him and the George Hill deal and. Say Bledsoe's a talented player, but I just don't think he's a good fit with his team. And I think the last few months have just further proven that. Um, But, yeah, we we probably would have talked a lot more Pels today had the Russell Wilson thing not dropped yesterday. Um, Gus, have you ever had chicken cracklings? I mean, I know I've sent you a lot of pork cracklings.
1: I have not done that. I'm going to have, I mean, I have to
0: bring you that, like, when I drive one day just from Lafayette to New Orleans, mm-hmm. just drop it off because they don't stay as good as long. It's not like I can, like, mail you a jug. Oh, oh, so, really? okay. you know, but if Gallo ever croaks there, you know, just <laughs> ask for his corpse, <laughs> cut it up, fry it. You know, I mean, you could do it yourself, <laughs> and then you don't have a rooster in the background uh, crowing in your ear every morning.
1: I don't know if it's that I do, you know, I've done play by play for a while. I do talk shows and I just, I'm so used to stuff all over the place where I kind of can just compartmentalize. Oh, yeah. Uh, But my wife hears them way more than I do and it bothers her way more than I do. And Carver wants the guy to leave and I, I mean, I hear him, but it's like, I, I don't know. Sounds like you kind of sounds like like you kinda love him. him like it, sounds it. like <laughs> even if
0: he turned into chicken cracklings, you would feel bad. It's like when you're eating, you know, a hunk of meat, you're not thinking about that poor cow just sitting there before, you know, the steak goes in his head. You're not thinking about that. You're thinking, man, this is going to be good. Let's just slap some butter on yeah. this. But with chicken cracklings from Gaio, I feel like I might have just ruined chicken cracklings for you. Now when I bring you some, you're just going to be thinking of Guyo, yeah. even though he's crowing in your ear. So, that that rooster's yeah. had a bad a bad influence on you guys. I think that's what we've learned well, here this morning. Well, here's
1: the problem, man. My neighbor across the street is convinced that they're good, and I got this weirdo in front of my house to the left who literally plants, like, all kinds of stuff in the front of his house, not the back of his house. And he's uh, doing great. anything possible to get the guy to go in the back so he can fertilize. It's a battle for the guy. This is, is what I'm saying. And I'm okay. like, y'all can have him. Yeah, He's not mine, but can find a way, put a trail of feed or something to get him over across the street and out of the backyard. Because the guy also, aside from crowing, um, leaves gallo present all over the backyard oh, that right. you don't tend to see <laughs> while you're running with the dog and the toddler, and it winds up on your,
0: oh, you know, dude. shoe. So, oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's, sheesh. I'm gonna let you run, man. I've already kept you longer than I thought, but uh, time flies when we're chatting, especially when there's a rooster crowing in the background. All about it's a busy weekend for you as well, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. And next time I drive to Nola, I'll bring you some chicken cracklins and see if you actually have what it takes to eat them.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of thinking, just stick with the good old fashioned pork cracklings.
0: <laughs> right. Well, if you don't, I'll eat them, and I'll bring you some pork ones as well. Don't worry. Sounds good, man. Later, brother. You're the best. Bye. Oh. Uh, Roosters crowing in the background, baby. That was fun. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, what might a realistic trade package look like? What would the Saints have to offer in a hypothetical trade to let Russ cook in NOLA? I broke down earlier the the cap situation and how it would work, but what about an actual trade package? And, and Gus made a good point there at the end. Probably not going to happen. And now you got some fans that are going to be disappointed when it doesn't. Now look at something that they had finally accepted as, yeah, Jameis, let's give it a shot. (laughs) We're back right after this. Welcome back into the great Scott show. The great sports callers open think tank. Only a few days left in February. Everybody, we have a very busy weekend. It's been a crazy week in terms of all the various UL sports broadcasts. And we got more for you. We got a lot more for you. All right. We got softball here today. They they played last night against LSU, lost 4-0. They'll get another shot at them here tomorrow. But uh, we got Cajun softball here for you today. Doubleheader beginning at uh, 345 pregame as they play two against Buffalo. Tomorrow they'll play Oklahoma State at 130, followed by a matchup with LSU. Then they'll play Oklahoma State Sunday morning. All of those games are going to air right here on ESPN 1420. Rage of Cajun Baseball has three games this weekend against Rice at Russo Park. 6-2-1. and one. That's six tonight, two tomorrow, one Sunday. Pre-game 30 minutes prior on each of those games. The games will be on Newstalk 96.5 KPEL. Cody Juno and Brad Topham on the call tonight and tomorrow. Jay Walker on Sunday. Jay is in Little Rock right now. He's got Rage of Cajun basketball for you, and they can... Potentially with a win and some help lock up the two seed of Sunbelt Conference Tournament tonight, or with two wins, lock it up definitively this weekend. They'll take on Little Rock tonight, six o'clock pregame. That'll be on Classic Rock 105-1. Tomorrow's game as well at four with pregame at 330. And then you got Rage Acasia women's basketball, the Sunbelt Conference Champions. They will be um, in action in their final two regular season games. At the Cajun Dome. Tonight, 6 p.m., 5.45 pregame. Tomorrow, 4 p.m., 3.45 pregame on Talk Radio 960. Of course, streaming on the app for each of those stations and everything like that. It's all there for you. Busy, busy weekend. All right, what might a realistic trade package look like? I'll go over next hour again the cap side of things for the Saints and any potential Russell Wilson trade. And we'll open up phone lines next hour as well at 269-1077. But let's look at the other teams that are mentioned here. Not just the Saints, but the Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Bears in terms of teams that, hey, not asking for a trade, but if you want to trade me or maybe there's something here, uh. I'm just waiting for Seattle to just get fed up and and leak something to some reporters for their spin on things. We definitely want to keep Russ, but if you don't want to be here, blah, blah, blah. Of course, teams prefer to kind of not put any info out there because they don't want to impact the marketplace at all for potential trade, which gives the players a little bit, or the elite of the elite players, a little bit of leeway when it comes to the PR standpoint of the long game of trying to get traded. But let's say it's the Cowboys. Boy, the Cowboys, I mean, if the the I think the big the big piece of this puzzle for Dallas is whether or not Seattle would be interested in Dak Prescott. And if he if they are, then first he'd need to sign his franchise tag, which is thirty seven point six nine million dollars. So once you do that, the financial side of the trade is 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 somewhat equal. Now Prescott would then get an extension as soon as the trade goes through. And he's five years younger than Wilson and maybe it would make sense. And the the Seahawks could say, throw in your first rounder. Tenth overall is not a bad place. For the Raiders, I mean, they're, they're in there saying, look, Derek Carr's not bad, but we're in this division with Patrick Mahomes. This Justin Herbert guy is really good of the year. I mean, we we need a really, really elite quarterback here. We feel like we have a good roster. Like, PFF does this, this, this statistic they call big-time throws. Mahomes leads the league in that over the last three seasons with 125. Russell Wilson is second with 123. Derek Carr is, like, I don't know, 73? Yeah. The Raiders don't have a bad spot at quarterback, so would Seattle be interested in taking Carr back in a trade and, of course, some draft capital? Would Seattle be interested in Derek Carr? 29 years old. You know? He hands the ball off a lot. We know how much Pete Carroll loves that. First-rounder in 2021? And then you got the Saints. Well, no, let's go to the Bears. So the Bears, they they got plenty of draft capital, and they have got a GM that you know is just going to offer everything, including all of his personal information and just let you hack in and take whatever you want. They can send first-round picks 2021, 2022, 2023, young players like Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney And you could say, that's too much. Well, not for Ryan Pace. He might just throw an extra first rounder negotiating against no one other than himself. And then, of course, if they do do that, and Seattle agrees to it, Russell's like, okay, I'll go to Chicago. Something bad would probably happen to him immediately because the Bears just don't have... I forgot who tweeted it yesterday. It was great. It was like, top five quarterbacks in Bears history. One, Sid Luckman. Two, Jay Cutler. Three, Eric Kramer. Four, Russell Wilson considered playing for the Bears once. Five, Jim McMahon. It's about right. And then you've got the Saints. Yeah, You don't really have that quarterback that you could say, hey, how about we swap these guys and give you a cup? You don't have that right now. You think Seattle's like, yeah, we'll trade for Taysom Hill. He'll be our quarterback of the future. No. Could he be part of a trade package? I suppose. Doubtful. You're looking at multiple firsts. And this year, the Saints' first is 28th overall. It's not 10th overall like Dallas. And really good young players like a Lattimore. Some say a Ramchek is who they would really want because they need good old linemen. Ramchek's AP All-Pro, multi-time, really good. Both of those guys are heading into fifth-year options. So it, they're currently on rookie deals, but they're both going to get extensions. So it's not like they're, they're these cheap assets It's going to be really difficult for the Saints to come up with a trade package somewhere comparable to that of what Vegas or Dallas or Chicago can offer. That's reality. And I know that a lot of folks that claim that they know football and the salary cap and everything else are telling you, it's impossible, they can't do it with the salary cap. What I'm telling you is, It's probably the more difficult aspect of this, and don't get me wrong, the salary cap is a B for the Saints right now. And it would be difficult. What I'm telling you is that's in their control. They could they could make it happen. And I will reiterate when we come out in the eight o'clock hour in the next segment. But I think it's more difficult for them to come up with a trade package. If Seattle starts making phone calls, that would be better for Seattle than Vegas, Dallas, or Chicago could offer. Which brings me back to a point I made with Gus Catgill, The no-trade clause in Russ's contract is the only reason the Saints even have a 10% chance. Because let me tell you, the odds are 1 in 10 right now for the Saints to make this happen. And they're low not because of the salary cap. They're low because of trade compensation. Again, the cap doesn't help but it could be doable, and I'll explain why when we come back right after this two-minute timeout. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues on the other side. We'll open up phone lines at 269-1077. This is ESPN 1420.
2: ESPN
3: 1420 ncom For all the reasons you love sports Great Scott The Great Scott Show
1: And as they head into the final furlong All of the other radio stations and radio hosts Are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed By the Great Scott Show The champion With Scott Prather
3: Steal the show On ESPN 1420 and ESPN 1420.com
0: to the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Happy to have you with me this morning. It is a Friday and uh, a busy one at that. And I feel like so much of sports talk has been taken over by this Russell Wilson bit. The Athletic detailed a long piece in an article yesterday, very well written, about... I think Mike Sando wrote it, about the rift that has occurred in Seattle between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. And Russ apparently went to the team for a game and said, hey, I have some ideas as to what we should do here offensively. He was shut down. And things just kind of you know, kept going south. He started to hear whispers in the playoffs that maybe he's more of a problem than a solution in Seattle. Yeah, I wonder who was leaking that. And then you got the Super Bowl week where he's making the media rounds saying that, you know, certain players should have more control of personnel decisions and he wants a better offensive line and he's tired of getting hit and long game. Seattle's won a lot of games. Gus pointed out, the reality is if you look at the Pete Carroll era in Seattle versus the Sean Payton Drew Brees era in New Orleans, Carroll has had more success consistently with Russ Wilson at quarterback than the Peyton Breeze era. They, Russ and, 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 and Pete, they didn't have those years with the losing records. I'm not saying you they didn't have a few down years or they didn't make the playoffs, but there weren't too many. They should have won two Super Bowls, but you know, let's throw the ball instead of handing it to Marshawn. But that merits right now appears to be crumbling. Russ, Walter Pate, man of the year, doesn't want to appear to be the bad guy. So let's make the media rounds and make it all about football. Well, what about this? What about that? And look, And look, Seattle has drafted very poorly lately. But you're not going to get traded to another team and suddenly have all of this personnel control. That's not going to happen. You could get traded to another team and have a much better relationship with the coach, with the OC, and have more freedom within an offense. That's possible. Now, if that's possible, a guy with a no-trade clause at 32 years old that everyone says, the best player to never receive an MVP vote, which is which is accurate, says, look, man, I, I, we're good, right? Okay, I think we are. But, guys, if we're not good and you're thinking about ending this, here's, here's some, you know – there's some people I would I've already got lined up that 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 I want to get married to. But if we're good, hey, it's okay. I don't really want to end this marriage. But if we do, if you do, I'm good with it, right? That is just the whole. It's 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 not you, it's me. But is it me? That's all PR spin. He wants out. He wants out. And 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 uh, one of our listeners, Scott, tweeted me last hour, made a good point. He's like, "Look, he's back in Seattle next year. How's his old line going to feel after you just threw him under the bus? They're going to be happy about blocking for him." ESPN 1420com So, how could the Saints make a package work? I gave you the rundown of of Vegas and Dallas and Chicago. If the say and why all of their trade packages would be better than what the saints could offer yes <clears throat> first of all you'd need you know mickey loomis to work his cap wizardry and and i'll explain how that could happen in a moment but from a trade standpoint to develop a trade package that would actually entice seattle into striking a deal with them more than another team first of all you got to include the, the 28th overall pick And if Wilson's going to New Orleans, I don't think the Saints are going to suck. I'm not saying I'm going to pick them to win the Super Bowl either. But it's not like you would say, okay, a first-round pick the year after or perhaps the year after that are going to be top ten. Three first-round picks is a lot, a whole lot. But it's going to be a player like a Lattimore or a Ramchick or perhaps both. And you're saying, oh, they can't do that. Well, guess what? That's what it would cost. And then suddenly, Wilson's in New Orleans and the old line and what they do, and Toronto Armstead's coming up. He doesn't have too many years left, I think, in his career, one or two. You're going to have to start investing back in that. Or do they ship Lattimore? Do they ship Cesar Ruiz? Do they ship multiple first round picks? And does Seattle say, okay, we'll take it? We wanted to take the deal from Chicago, but Russ said, yeah, I changed my mind. I don't want to go there. No trade clause. I'm not going there. The cap side of things. I mean, the Athletic, that article yesterday, pretty much gave us all the details we needed to know about the possibility of him being traded because both sides, he and Seattle, are very frustrated with the situation. And New Orleans is listed in that article as one of the teams Russell would like to join. Adam Schefter reported as much later in the day. Point is, there's been a couple of lists that have come out. And the first list, I think, included Miami and the Jets and the Saints and the Raiders. And then it changed to, no, it's actually the Saints, Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Bears. And then you have the athletic article that lists the Saints as well. So where there's smoke, there's fire. Clearly, that is a team he wants to go to, possibly. Now, I mean, it would. Would I? Would I bet on it? No, I'd put it at ten percent, not zero percent. Ten percent. Would the Saints be interested in him? Absolutely. How would they create the cap space? Well, (sighs) the easiest way to do it is to give Wilson the extension right away. So you turn his seventeen million dollars. salary next year into a signing bonus that leaves him with a seven and a half million dollar cap charge in 2021. Now his cap number the the next two seasons would, would, would bump up considerably and the 2022 cap situation could be really rough for the saints. My point is you extend them. Boom. I just told you that you could have Wilson at a seven and a half million dollar cap charge in 2021 simply by turning in, his salary next year into a signing bonus. He has 19. Uh, he, he, the only money on the books right now to acquire him next season is his $19 million base salary. And 17 of that $19 million can be converted into a signing bonus. That's it. And you could extend him right out the gate. What about 22, 22? What about 2023? Fair questions. But haven't we asked those the last couple of years when it comes to the Saints cap? I'm telling you, Mickey Loomis is just going to keep pushing stuff down the road until he croaks, and then he's going to let someone else deal with it. We can all agree the Saints know how to push money ahead, and they'll keep doing it. Well, one day it's going to get them. Well, I think it. it, it we say one day it's going to get them as if one day they're just going to have to field an XFL team. The reality is it has, quote, gotten them at times in terms of the amount of depth they can sign, quality free agents, Uh, outside of just a couple. It was the last time the Saints went into an offseason, and there was this marquee free agent that was the best at his position, they went out and they signed him from another team. It was Jairus Burden. how did that work out? It didn't. Awful. Terrible. One of the worst signings, free agent signings ever. My point is, not to say that you don't want to have that kind of salary cap and space to sign a player, but my point is, the path can get... $20 million under the cap this offseason if they need to. Wilson's can be $7.5 million cap hit. Now, one of those things that has to happen is Drew Brees has to retire. They already cut Nick Easton. They have to restructure Janoris Jenkins. They have to cut Quan Alexander or release his his thing. You you give Armstead and Michael Thomas. You restructure their base salary and assigning bonuses. You do the same thing with Cam Jordan. And if you have to... Uh, trade Ramchak or Pete or, or, or Roe is there is freeing up stuff. Thomas Morstead will not, if he's playing for the States next year, it will not be at that salary. You can restructure David on Yamada's deal, convert his base salary into a signing bonus. There's probably some others I'm missing here. My point is all of those things are freeing up millions and millions of dollars of gap space. So, If you see someone say, it's impossible, there's no way from a cap standpoint, they're wrong. They're wrong. And I just gave you all the evidence as to why. The more difficult aspect of this, if they want to do it, is the trade package. I don't think they can offer what other teams can't. And the only reason the Saints have a small chance here, if Wilson is traded, is because of the no-trade clause in Wilson's contract. If Seattle could just say, all right, he's open for trade, we'll take the best offer possible, they would get offers from lots of teams, and some team out there is going to drive up the price. Maybe Chicago's in there because they can drive up the price in terms of the cost of an extension once you do trade for him. That'd be nuts if it's Chicago, by the way. But he's one of the teams on there, ESPN1420.com. What Vegas and what Dallas can offer is a starting quarterback in exchange. Sign Dak Prescott to the franchise tag, then make the trade, then Seattle extends him. Derek Carr, okay, he's not Russell Wilson, but he's not bad, and he loves to hand the ball off. We know Pete Carroll loves to do that. Saints can't really offer a viable option at starting quarterback in a trade package. So then where would Seattle go if Wilson goes? Where do they go at QB? And don't say Taysom Hill. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater at this point reportedly could be had for a fourth rounder, so maybe they go that route outside of a trade with the Saints. They just do another trade and get their starting quarterback. Their options, guys. Phone lines are open at 269-1077, 269-1077. Seven. All right. How do you think Jameis Winston feels right now? Because on one hand, the Saints haven't said anything. There hasn't been anything leaked by the Saints. The Saints haven't said, we're interested. We want to do it. Let's make something happen. They haven't done it. Nothing. Nothing. I'm talking about management, ownership, Peyton, all Peyton's done all offseason is talk about how much he loves Jameis Winston. How he feels like the starting quarterback was in the building last year, will be in the building next year. We love Jameis. We want him to taste him back. And I think most Saints fans, include you know, I, I thought as much as well. Breeze will, will retire, even though he hadn't announced it yet. And Winston will come back and he'll get a shot to have the keys to the car and we'll see if he can drive. No, I will not make an Uber joke there regarding Jameis Winston. I will stay away from that. I will refrain from that. My point is, Jameis is seeing these headlines. He's seeing Michael Thomas out there sharing pictures on Instagram uh, of 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 he and Russell Wilson. Probably seeing Saints fans everywhere, like, oh, okay. Because a lot of fans that accept it. Yep, Breeze, it's done. It's over. Forget about it. Let's give Winston a shot. Let's see, Let's see, taste. Let's see. Let's see. What do they call it? Tamus. Let's see the Tameis combo next year. With Jameis getting the majority of the reps. Staysom have his little Swiss Army knife package. Let's see what life after Breeze looks like. And now, behind door B, open it. Doesn't mean you can walk in yet, but there's Russell Wilson. You might not be able to walk in it. So now you're, you know, Saints fans are salivating. And, oh, my God, don't mess with my emotions. Don't do that. What's probably going to happen is door B's going to shut. It's gonna slam hard. And then Doré, which you'd said, I'm good with walking through this, I'll take it. Suddenly doesn't feel as great walking through it. Hey, maybe maybe Jameis Winston says, Okay, this other team's gonna offer me a good contract. Kinda of wanted to come back to New Orleans and give this thing a shot, but I mean one of the best players on the team and the guy I got to throw the ball to, he doesn't really want me here. Maybe I'll go somewhere else for a fresh start. And then maybe the Saints truly are looking down next season at, okay, I guess our starter is Taysom for a year, and this journeyman, you know, mid-30s backup with a couple of starts here and there is going to be the backup. And maybe it's some rookie they take in the third round with a compensatory pick sitting on the bench. And now that's door C, and that's the one you have to walk through. And that one, poof. And the odds of that happening are higher than the odds of door B happening. That's reality. Two six nine ten seventy seven. You can email me as well, scott at ESPN1420.com. You could tweet the show at ESPN1420. Steve Pelliquin's going to be in in, uh, in a little bit. He'll join me for the final segment today, get his thoughts on this Russ stuff and Cajun softball, their loss to LSU last night, their situation in the health department, uh, injuries to players, news, notes, nuggets, and uh, what they have coming up this weekend, which is a very busy week in two games today, two games tomorrow, a game on Sunday. They've played the last couple of days. I mean, geez, how many games is that between a Tuesday and a Sunday? It's just a wild week, man. Wild week in sports. Here's a little bit of Jerry Glasgow, Rage Education head softball coach, last night after the
4: loss. Well, obviously, uh, really disappointing, you know, in our effort. Tonight. You want to see us when really you play LSU and play another really good ball club, you want to see us come out. I just felt like we were flat and no emotion tonight. I don't know why. I, I, I can guess. Um, it doesn't matter. We just can't play like that. You have to step on the field and play with fire, and inspire each other. And we we did. We just didn't have players inspiring our team. We didn't have players building our team. We just played a flat ball game. And when you flat when you play flat, you get beat. And that's what happened. You play another good ball club, and you know they're they're a good team, and they're not gonna. They're not going to let an opportunity like that go to pick up a good win. And uh, the outplayers tip your hat to them. You know, I, th- I think we uh, we had a long day. I, I was in my office last night till midnight. Got back in the office at 6.30 this morning. Uh, and, um, you know, we had a lot going on. We, had to, uh, we found out today at noon uh, Taylor Roman uh, has a knee injury. And it's season ending. We won't have her back. And we found out this morning before, before that that we, we've lost Raina Neal for the regular season. We're hopeful to get her back with, uh, for the postseason with an arm injury. And I know that was her leaders on our team. Their kids are very popular, outstanding young uh, student athletes that are very well respected by our ball club. And I got to believe that had a little bit to do with it. But you know, that's the maturity we got to learn to have, and and we can learn from that. We have to come out and play our best no matter what, and, uh, um, you know, I felt like we didn't. 21 outs, I think we may have swung at eight or ten good pitches at most. Maybe one coach said six, Uh, but we swung at very few good pitches, and we got ourselves out with a lot of bad pitches, and that's, sometimes that's a credit to the other arm out of the arm in the circle, and and they have an outstanding uh, coach, and Coach Tarina is a tremendous pitch caller and she'd obviously scouted our team well. And we, we, uh, you know, you got to tip your hat to them for having a good game plan. And uh, we'll just, we'll try to come back out on uh, tomorrow night. We've got a first thing we have to do tomorrow night, play with emotion, play in our normal uh, manner and rhythm and try to find ourselves. And then hopefully if we can find that tomorrow night. We can go back over to LSU on Saturday and play a much more inspiring type of
0: Softball. There you go. So you heard the notes there as far as Taylor Roman, Reina O'Neill, um, They're hoping to have O'Neill for the postseason, maybe. Taylor Roman's done for the year. And those injuries are, are gut-wrenching in a lot of ways. And um, as he even acknowledged, it, it, we got to be more mature to not let it impact us emotionally, but it did. It did. ESPN1420.com. We'll talk more about that with uh, with Steve Pelliquin coming up in just a little bit. Got a number of emails here regarding Russell Wilson as far as cap cost and potential trade scenarios. Yeah, there's, there's a couple other ones. And how does Watson, Deshaun Watson's situation, impact Russell Wilson's situation? Will one have any impact on the other and how it unfolds? Give you the answer to that next on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app.
2: Tired of your current job but need more?
3: This is Louisiana Ragin' Cajun head baseball coach Matt Deggs, and you're listening to Acadiana's best sports leader, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com. And tap that app at ESPN 1420. He likes sports takes like he likes food. Spiced, peppery, and anything but bland. Yummy. It's Scott Brather on The Great Scott Show. ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com.
2: Yeah.
1: She said I was the tiger she wanted to take.
0: Welcome back I lose my cool into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Twenty eight after the hour, you're listening to ESPN fourteen twenty. And if you're listening on the stream, that ESPN Listen Live player on your app, desktop, or mobile device, and connected cars, and on smart speakers, the Listen Live player is brought to you by Champaigns Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra. Mile. Emails said we had plenty of them. This one comes to us from Harold. He says, Scott, you must be on crack. There is no way Russell Wilson is playing for the Saints. It's impossible. Have you even looked at the cap situation? Um, Harold, uh, I'm not on crack. Never tried crack um, for the record. Uh, but I would, as I said, I put it at 1 in 10 chances. And yes, I do understand the Saints cap situation, but uh, you, sir, do you understand how the salary cap works? No? I guess not. Were you listening earlier? There are plenty of ways the Saints could make it happen. They would have to put players they might not otherwise but you restructure to Norris Jenkins, Drew Brees retires, you already cut Nick Easton, you either trade or cut Malcolm Brown, you can restructure Michael Thomas's deal to Ron Armstead's and Cam Jordan's by turning their base salaries into signing bonuses, you can extend Ryan Ramchek. you can restructure on Yamada, you can restructure Andres Peach's deal, again, convert into a signing bonus, you, um, you, can, you can extend Lattimore, you can make him part of the trade package, you do all of that, and now... You have already freed up a ton of money on the salary cap, just like that. Drew Brees retiring is going to save twenty-five million. You restructure with Jenkins. You're looking at I don't know eight or nine mil. Brown that's five. Easton that already saved you six. Restructure with Thomas. You can save seven. Restructure with Armstead. You can save seven. Restructure with Jordan. You can save ten. Extend Ramcheck Cap savings on this year's cap eight million dollars. Restructure with Onyamadi, You can save five. Restructure with Pete. Come on. Who's set to make what nine mil this year? You convert that into a signing bonus. Thomas Morstad's not playing on that deal he currently has either. Now you got a lot of deals expiring soon, a lot of free well that are that as soon as they're they're expired they just the league year hasn't officially next year's league year hasn't officially begun yet. You might not be able to re-sign a Marcus Williams or a Craig Robertson or a. Uh, or obviously a Jameis Winston and, and other guys that perhaps you would have brought back otherwise, Trey Hendrickson, well, that that that's out the window. But you've still freed up enough cap space. On top of that, Russell Wilson's salary cap number this year, his base salary is $17 million, $19 million. You could convert $17 million into a signing bonus, and you would extend them right out the gate. Now you've got the cap space. So, Harold, yeah. No, I'm not on crack. No, I don't think the trade's going to happen, but learn about the salary cap before you send dumb emails. Jacques emails, Scott, as much as I want Russell Wilson, I've come to accept that this likely will not happen. Saints fans just need to accept that Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback next year and not fall for this girl that they have no chance of dating. Well, you're probably right, Jacques, but that girl wants to date the Saints. Enough information suggests as much. That girl's trying to get out of her current relationship with the, I don't really want to break up, but if you do, cool. But again, I, I'm not even telling you all this stuff, telling you what's going to happen. I'm giving you, I'm saying one in 10 chance. One in 10. Derek emails, Scott, you never tried crack? Question <laughs> mark. No. No, I haven't. And I don't plan to. I love you guys. All right, let's head to uh, let's head to the phone lines. 269-1077, 269-1077. Very, very busy weekend in UL Sports as well. I'll give you the rundown of what sports coming on, what station here in just a few minutes. But I want to hear from you guys. Let's go to the phone lines right now. We got Richard on line one. Good morning, man. What's up? Good morning. And see there, there, there it is. You know what? Someone emailed me yesterday and and called me Greg, but like it was someone I knew. They were just they were messing with me. And for those that don't know what that is, that is that is a throwback to a call from uh, what two months ago. That was that was funny. It was funny, yeah. I guess. It was funny two and a half months ago. Anyway. Man,
2: I'm wondering how much uh, with regards to softball, baseball, how much is the attendance affecting you know the fire? I guess. Um, with with especially Cajun softball, you know. And, and, and real quick, before I I, I kind of move on, that, that injury that occurred in the field was it simultaneous or was it um, two separate plays?
0: What the 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 uh, the softball injury? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look. Steve's gonna join me because he was there, and he's gonna give everybody all the details in just a moment. Um, but I was okay. I I was not in attendance last night, so. Uh, or, or I guess this wasn't last night. The night before last, this happened in the McNeese game. Um, I wasn't there. I was at Russo Park, but Steve will give us all the details here in a moment. Sure, and, and, and
2: I'm getting a lot of like feedback or reverb on, on when I'm speaking. So if it's choppy on your end, I think
0: I, I think I think we're uh, I think we're good now. You sound you sound just fine, man. You sound nice and peppy.
2: Okay, right on, right on. Um, so I mean, do you think like you know? I guess the attendance, is that something that's going to kind of might rear its head with with regards to baseball and softball is is sometimes, I mean, like playing flat or, you know, am I looking too deep into this? Because it kind of – it helped us in football, you know. I I think, you know, you can't say that going to Iowa State week one with nobody in the crowd wasn't in our favor, you know. Um, And you saw a lot of upsets in the G5. Uh, in, in my opinion, where it's just such a, a level playing field, you know, kind of really levels everything out. And uh, I, think, around, I, think, you know, I think I think it
0: depends on each player. I mean, I think it depends on each player. I think I think yes, there are some players that get a lot of juice from uh, an environment that fires them up, uh, and I think that's true yeah. of any athlete at any program. So to dismiss it and say it shouldn't matter or wouldn't matter, I think is silly. But I don't think it's I don't think it also is a guarantee across the board I think there's some athletes in some moments that get some juice from that um, and so to say that and, you know, you know a could, lack of attendance an, doesn't it have an impact it does. yeah and it could
2: bring anxiety to certain players right it, know, it it, 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 it
0: absolutely it could help some other players as well not just having you know uh, everybody just staring down at them but you still have some in attendance it's not completely empty you know if it was completely empty it would just feel weird like you know, like BP or something. So, okay. uh, but yeah, no, no I, 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 don't it. think you can dismiss that. I, I don't think that's why the softball team was flat last night, though. I think it's because of the injuries, which Steve's going to give us an update here on in just a sec.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because I, I was listening off and on, and I thought I heard it was a assignment, a but it was it was on the, the the television broadcast. I thought I heard Dan McDonald say it happened. You know, at, at the same so, time, but you Steve. Steve uh, Rayna
0: O'Neill. Uh, they hope to have her back by the postseason, but she's she's hurt. Uh, Taylor Roman done for the year. Uh, you were calling the game. How did those injuries occur? Occurred.
5: Uh, Taylor Roman uh, was injured her first at bat in the matchup against uh, McNeese. Just swinging the bat, wasn't even running, and probably the torque of her back. Uh, she went down like she was shot in the leg and immediately you knew that okay well, something's not right here it's just in and, and they obviously you're hoping for like um you know a sprained knee a twisted knee something of that nature but you know what went, went through my mind at the time and of course we don't speculate about you know injuries like that over the air but you're thinking ACL MCL and it turned out to be an ACL Ray O'Neal was injured in the 7th inning there's two outs you know, if if uh, if they catch the ball, it's nobody's fault. It was it was a, a pop up into shallow right center field, in between O'Neill and Sierra Bryan and the second baseman Kate Lauldering, kind of in no man's land. Uh, O'Neill and Sierra Bryan both die for the ball. Uh, O'Neill crashes into Bryan as well as falls to the turf, bracing an arm and uh, you know injures her right arm. Just um, you know, and, and and you're right. That took I think they were dead flat last night, and it it. Some of it might have had to do a little bit with the crowd, but it was more to do with the injuries. You know, when you show up and it's called empathy, you know, I mean, it, yeah, you're ready to play, yeah. but you're looking at two of your teammates. One of them's got an injured knee out for the year. Another's got an injured arm out for the regular season. You're just not going to be ready to play. Yeah, that's unfortunate, man. Yep.
2: I mean, of course, the death, the death on this team is is there. Um, uh, It's just, you know, they, they take a little – little while to kind of gel and figure things out like you like any sport so uh cool i was just curious how it how it un- unfolded and uh we got to get two or three from rice this weekend so uh i may go catch a game i'll uh bring my juju my good juju if i can boys y'all have a good one Thank
0: you. he was saying a tv broadcast something about simultaneous i don't know if he was asking at the same time or i guess that's what he meant which I knew that wouldn't. The Maybe case, they meant like,
5: simultaneously with Sierra Bryan and, and Taylor that's, Roman. That's they dive into the ball simultaneously. That's what, yeah, 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 that's,
0: yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. Um, but, Bryan was. I mean, she was. She was fine.
5: Yeah, she was fine. And look, it, not making any excuses because LSU's a great team. And that's part of the deal. You have to be one hundred percent ready to play them mentally and physically. Otherwise, you're going to get your clocks clean. And 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 LSU won the game last night. Uh, I was thinking last night about other injuries that happened. You know, that it, it, it takes you a week. The last time Louisiana lost a conference series was back in 2013. What's a big reason why they lost? Teresa Myers at practice broke her ankle. Um, they not only lost to WKU that year in a conference series, they lost to South Alabama. The Cajuns actually finished third in the Sunbelt Conference back in 2013. But after they gathered themselves, after the initial shock wore through, and part of the reason why they lost to South Alabama and WKU is that they were flat. You know, man, we don't have a Narisa Myers. Man, we feel sorry for her. You know, it just comes with the territory. After those first two conference series, they didn't lose again. A 22-game winning streak until uh, the uh, the NCAA Super Regionals when they lost an epic two-out-of-three battle to uh, to Michigan. Was, and the other time, Lexi Elkins broke her, her wrist in
0: 2015-16. Same thing was, happened. Was Wednesday the most costly game <laughs> in a long time for the Cajuns? Yes. I know they won, but yeah. that was about as costly a game as I can yeah. remember.
5: No doubt. No doubt. It's, uh, you know, Rome,
0: it, now, you know this team, and you and Bobby know it, Inside Out, y'all know it all, but O'Neill and Roman, aside from just what they do on the on the mm-hmm. diamond, I mean, how big a part of that locker room in terms yeah. of leadership, are
5: especially O'Neill. You know, I mean, that's that's not to say that Roman's not a leader, but she's a first, she's a second year player, she's a freshman. You know, you got a year of eligibility back. Reagan O'Neill's been around the program for four years after transferring over from Texas Tech. And I she's think below. we can
0: agree this team needs strong leadership. Yes, and we're seeing parts of this roster that you realize, mm-hmm. yeah, they need it there. I mean, Jerry. Blasted! He blasted the team after the win Wednesday mm-hmm. in terms of some of the issues and taking the helmet off and discipline. I mean, I, that's one thing I love about Jerry; he's so transparent. Yes. <laughs> but but it's like you you need this leadership right now, and you can say, "Oh, she can still lead when she comes back and 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 she's on the side and has it's a cast." Different. And it's totally different mm-hmm. when you're not playing. Ask any great leader that had to spend a season in a dugout with an injury.
5: Kevin Durant said that last year with the Nets, he said, "Look, it's hard for me to lead when I'm not playing." Yeah, you know, I never, I never put on a uniform before, but you know, look, uh, Carly Heath was a player. I think that they expected to redshirt. You know, she came in to transfer from South Carolina. She came in with some some injury concerns, some illness concerns. Uh, They made her eligible last night. She's going to get better as the year progresses. Not like the cupboard is totally bare, but it's going to take him a week or two to recover.
4: All
0: right, the host of Top's Take, Brad Topham, uh, is online too. Good morning, Brad.
3: Good morning man. You got some smart callers and I had to chime in with you got y'all talking about attendance and does it matter much? I'll give an easy one to you. In that and I'm sure there's moments in the Magnee's game and the LSU game. When we play LSU, think about this. It's four to one. We're down in the bottom of the third. Home run, walk double. You know what I mean? The crowd would be going nuts. We're getting back into the game. We strike out twice. Uh, bases yeah. loaded. How about bases loaded, nobody out? We just make it a six-two game in the bottom of the eighth, and they bring in their closer. You know what would the crowd have been, and how would that have affected? You know Fonteno on the mound. Does he overthrow? Because our crowd's all juiced up. I think in certain spots, I think the crowd had a big, would have had a huge impact on that LSU game set for us.
0: Yeah, and and you know, the flip side of that is maybe it gets someone too juiced and they have more than four airs, Brad, just to just to play devil's advocate. Oh, no,
3: no, no, you're I mean, right. It, it was this, a sloppy game, you know. It was a terrible game, and I'm not saying it makes us win. It may have made LSU beat the hell out of us. It's, I'm going back to what the comment said. Like When you were talking, I thought about it for a second, and I just think it's a really smart call. Maybe not overall, but I do think there are points in the game where – Lampson Park not being slammed, LaRusso not having 5,000, I think it could have a big impact both way, either way. Now, I have no idea which way, but I, I really do think it, it has an impact in moments, not, not like necessarily yeah. overall. You know no, I,
0: mean? I think, to, I think to, to, to downplay it would be silly. I, mean, mm. I think, it's, I think it's, it's hard to deny that without question. And I think if you're talking specifically about UL, you could make the argument that those two sports more than any other. Yeah. Baseball and sophomore more than any other in terms of, yeah. and don't get me wrong, you know, the Cajun dome getting loud and raucous in a big moment or Cajun field, but I mean, we know we know what those crowds are like and the attendance is like year in year out for those two sports. So
3: it is, and it's just uh, you got smart calls. It's probably the leadership of the guy that's in charge of the show that makes the caller
5: so smart.
0: <laughs> I don't know about all that, it is what it is. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. All right, boys, have a good day.
5: No, I agree with that. Crowd does play a difference, uh, and you know, obviously, I didn't, I couldn't catch you know, Raging Cajun baseball except for the uh, you know, final three innings on the radio, listening to Jay and Brad on the uh, on the way home. I know with softball last night, it, it, it you know, it, it, you know, certainly, generally speaking, it plays a part, but not last night, simply because of the injuries that happened the night before. Again, they just, you, you almost felt it. I felt it leaving the ballpark on Wednesday. You know, it, it's like they, they it was almost like they lost. You know, they beat uh, McNeese. They won in a crazy, one of the craziest softball games I've called in a long time. That was amazing. I mean, from an over the fence triple to the way the Cajuns scored the last run of the game, where they scored it illegally. I mean, it was—it was a crazy, crazy softball. We were, we
0: softball were game. Uh, following it on, you know, social and stuff in the press box at Russo Park, and I was just like. This is insane. Yes. And I'm not even there. I'm just hearing, I'm just reading the reports. I'm like, first of all, the bottom of the first inning was, I mean, completely bonkers. It was a clown show. As it kept going on and on. It's, oh, they're bringing Summer and they want to bring her in. Uh Uh-oh, now there's injuries. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Wait, she just gave up two? Uh Uh-oh, what's going, like, wait, what's happening here? Then they win. And then, you know, I I heard Jerry, you know, I I got, when I got home, I got to listen to the entire post, you know, post-game press conference. And I mean, God bless Jerry. He sounded like they had just mm-hmm. lost, like the season was mm-hmm. over. Like, you know, in a super regional final. I mean, was that? I maybe might be a slight exaggeration, but maybe not because he was. He knew the cost of that game. Yes, in the moment, mm-hmm. and I think today, once you hear about the injuries and everything else, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm trying to be a realist here. That was the most costly UL softball game that I can can you remember one more costly than that?
5: No. no now really we, we might change stars, our no. answer
0: to this like yeah. months from now. All right. But you've called games for how long? Since 2000. Can you remember a more costly no game. Regular season game. No. And I mean, they won that game, yes, but it's like yes. wh- no one's going to remember whether they won or
5: lost. Uh, no, it was uh it was it was uh it was painstaking is what it was. And again, I, I felt the energy out of the team when I left the park on on Wednesday. They're gonna get that energy back. Again, you know, time kind of heals all wounds and whatnot. Now, what and they're expect a good today? team.
0: Two two games against Buffalo on our airwaves, double header. What kind of energy do you expect in today?
5: All uh, all due respect to Buffalo, they're not good. I mean they're Buffalo. I mean so you know, what
0: like, what kind of energy do you expect? Uh,
5: uh I think it, it they're gonna come out not with great energy, to be honest with you. I'm hoping that they'll leave with some energy. You know, today. Today's a good day to play a team like Buffalo. They win, you start feeling a little bit better about yourself, and then I really think that next week it's going to be better, and in a couple of weeks I think they're going to be back to normal.
0: I think we'll be okay. I really do. Doubleheader against Buffalo, then you've got number eight Oklahoma State Saturday, followed up by number eleven LSU. So you have a doubleheader of teams ranked in the top eleven. Then you've got number eight Oklahoma State on Sunday. Then you've got McNeese next Wednesday. <laughs> Midweek games they make nice, sir. Yeah. They're they're well, <laughs> history recent history tells us they're not that fun. <laughs> then you got Baylor in a doubleheader the day after. Chuck. And then you go to Memphis and then you begin conference play. Um buckle up, man. Yep. All those softball games on ESPN fourteen twenty this weekend, Rage of Cajun women's basketball, Sunbelt Conference Champs, right?
5: Something conference champs.
0: They got two more regular season games uh, against Little Rock at the Cajun Dome tonight and tomorrow. Senior Day, Alumni Weekend, um, 6 o'clock tonight, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Tip pregame, 50 minutes prior on Talk Radio 960. Rage Cajun Baseball against Rice tonight, tomorrow Sunday on Newstalk 96.5 KPAL. Rage Cajun Basketball, with a win and some help, they could uh, secure the two-seed in the West tonight with two wins no matter what they secure it and that uh, those two games in Little Rock can be heard on Classic Rock 105.1. Six 6 o'clock pregame the night, 6.30 tip-off, and then 4 o'clock on on Saturday with a 3.30 tip-off. So a lot of stuff on the airwaves for you this week, and we'll take a timeout, come back, get a few more thoughts from Steve on the the state of U.S. softball and his thoughts on one of the big topics this morning, Russell Wilson. Don't go anywhere. We're back in two minutes on ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott. Stevie P coming up with Beyond the Game, 9 to 11. Busy time, Steve, as he is dancing in A the little background. love at music, sound huh? Is that what that is? <laughs> oh, yeah, a little love at music. Cat loves me. I don't blame you, but you love me. Cajun softball doubleheader today against Buffalo. You you mentioned the energy. We talked about the injuries to O'Neill to Roman. Um you expect any roster additions with this news? You know... <laughs> Because correct me if I'm wrong, you can add as many as you want this year. Yes, yeah. So, is it a possibility?
5: Yeah, I I think it's a possibility. I mean, uh, there were some girls that were suspended. I think that uh, there's is a possibility that that they could return. But uh, you know, I don't know what happens off the field. That's a you know, if they do their due diligence, so to speak. I mean, keeping you know doing everything that they're supposed to do, going to class, being a good teammate. All of that good stuff. And already, I mean, you know, Kylie Sand played the other night. She was expected to redshirt this year. And yeah. Carly Heath was, they she's, were talking about redshirt. She's redshirt, and suddenly she's starting to get Yeah, that and all, Yeah, <laughs> and all of a sudden last night. Whoa. Yeah. And and uh, Carly, it's going to take her a couple of weeks to get going. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, she wasn't yeah, even planning yeah, on playing no, this year. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. She was a starter last year at South Carolina and SEC school. You know, she's pretty good. She'll get a lot better as the season progresses. And she's facing Gorsuch, who was outstanding last night. We talk about lack of energy, and there was lack of energy. But sometimes you got to tippy cap to the, the other person as well. And Marion uh, Marian Gorsuch was outstanding last night.
0: All right. Russell Wilson to the Saints. I went through all of – I explained everything in terms yep. of the salary cap, in terms of trade packages. One in ten chances where I'm putting it. Where one in had- ten with one being the lowest? No, I think a 10% chance he's a starting quarterback. Yeah. The betting odds are, you know. I'd say 5%. So we're pretty much on the same page. But it's not impossible. No, it's not impossible. If he didn't have a no-trade clause, it would be impossible. Right. Because he's one of eight players in the league with a no-trade clause, one of which is Drew Brees, and he's probably about to retire. Mm -hmm. uh, So we could say one in seven. Once that becomes official, don't know why Brees hadn't announced it yet. It will, like – you read if, if you read that athletic article, they bring up the Saints a lot. Yeah, and then you see the first report of here are four teams, Saints are one of them. Mm-hmm. Then you see another report, updated, not the same four teams, Saints are still one of them. Mm-hmm. He wants to go to the Saints. Yeah, what well, he- now? If Dallas wants him and they're willing to part ways with Dak, he would then then you know things work out. They can offer a better package, and I think he would go there. I'm not fully sold on Chicago thing. I think you throw that in there because. You if they trade you there, Ryan Pace will give you a six hundred million dollar contract yeah. extension. Um, and the Raiders one is I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that I would I wouldn't put that out of the way either. Though I'm not sure he wants to go play in a division with Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. So I think his first choice would actually be if if this is if this list is his Hall pass. I think mm-hmm. the Saints are number one on the list, but. Yeah. This, he's trying. His whole PR campaign is trying to make it sound like it's football. It's about winning. Well, the Seahawks have won as much as anybody All right. since he's been there. So we know that's a lie. And he's
5: got receivers around. This him. is
0: this is. And look, the O line isn't great. So that's no. that's factual. Right. But that's part of the PR campaign. You start to leak some things. You start to say some things. You start for, to ask for things you know you're not going to get. Mm. You're not going. You're not going to be a player in the room on draft day with a scout saying let's draft this guy. Right. You could say you think you want that, mm. but you know that's not going to happen. But what does it do? Gets the public, gets the media. Man, look at Seattle's draft the last five years. This is awful. Yes. This is really bad. Look how many times he's been hit. Well, he has a point. It is about football. Well, they're still winning. Mm-hmm. He's healthy. He's right. highly paid. It's all a PR campaign. This, he's, see, with Deshaun Watson, he doesn't have to, it's personal, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have to play any other game here because he could say it's personal. Look at ownership. Look mm-hmm. at the joke that this franchise is. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, Yeah. Wilson can't say, man, it's really bad. I, I have this big rift. I can't stand Pete Carroll. It's very personal because that franchise has treated him great, right. or at least the perception is. So what do you have to do if you want to try to work your way out? You start a long PR campaign to get the public on your side to make it seem like it's about football <laughs> mm-hmm. and then say, look, I mean, I, I don't want to leave you, but do you want me to? Because if you do, maybe we could – I mean, I'm good with it. I could go here, but I don't want to. Walter Payton Man of the Year. So the spin on it Mm -hmm. is very different. But I think early on, I thought he was just trying to get more control in the building. But after reading that athletic report yesterday, this appears to just be a long game to get out of Seattle.
5: I agree with you on on all accounts. You know, it, it is all about perception. You know, Matthew Stafford... You know, he basically forces. He asks for a trade. He gets traded, and and nobody has a problem with it because you know it's lovey-dovey between him and the Lions, mutual respect. But you know, Deshaun Watson, there there seems to be some some bitterness there, obviously between him and the Texans. He wants out, and people have a different view upon it because the perception is is that you know that there's a there's an issue there, and and, and there probably is. With um uh, but I think though because it's personal with Deshaun and the Texans, I think that Russell Wilson is more likely to be traded than Deshaun Watson because I think that the that the Texans really are going to play a little hardball as much as they can. I, If you would ask me right now, do I think Russell Wilson is going to be the starting quarterback of the uh, Seattle Seahawks next year? I'm to say no. Do you, if you ask me, do I think that Deshaun Watson is going to be the starting quarterback of the Texans? I think it's
0: 50-50. I think they're both gone. You think they're both gone? Now, if, if Russ did in Seattle next year, and I don't think he will be. I think the most likely place he ends up is Dallas. What about the Panthers? I don't think he, he, they're not on his list. He has a no-trade clause. Yes, sure. now, yeah, that's true. Now, Sean Watson apparently has yeah. Carolina on his list. Yeah. I hope he doesn't go there. No. but <laughs> no, I don't want any part of that. But Wilson, no. I, I think it's, it's Dallas, it's Vegas, or it's New Orleans. And – Dallas and Vegas can offer more, and I, I detailed that earlier in the show, which you can hear via Spotify or Anchor um, later on today on the podcast platform. But that no trade clause it mm-hmm. gives, makes it gives the Saints some wiggle room to where he's like, Chicago's going to offer the most, and then he can be like, you know, I changed my mind, I don't want to go there. Yeah. So now you've driven up the price in terms of, man, if I go somewhere, you have to sign me to an extension. The Saints would absolutely have to mm-hmm. for salary cap reasons. You get a little more money, you get your wish. You get out of there. I'd love but it. But the problem is Saints haven't said anything, nor should they. All Sean Payton's done publicly is said, man, we love we love Jameis. We want to bring him back. We want him to be our quarterback. Mm-hmm. We love Taysom. Blah, 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 blah. He's not saying anything. The Saints, I'm sure, would be interested in Wilson, but say something publicly. Now Jameis is like, come on, man. Right. Don't keep telling me you love me. You didn't even start me last year mm-hmm. when I could have played. Now you want me to come back, but you're you're, you know, you got these romance, you know, you got these Bedroom eyes for Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. and Michael Thomas is putting stuff on Instagram of him and Russell Wilson just hanging out. <laughs> so now James is surprised, sitting back like, "What?" So in the <laughs> end, behind door A, I think Saints fans have convinced themselves, you know what? It's time. Braves is retired. Mm-hmm. The, the only realistic scenarios here are probably Jameis Winston. Let's give him a shot. Mm-hmm. Taysom Hill can do his little Swiss Army. That's behind door A. It's not the greatest door, but we're gonna walk through it. Folks have finally come to that. Mm-hmm. Now door B is, whoa, you open that door and you see that, you see Russell Wilson, now you got these gaga eyes, and yeah. oh, my God, and then boom, that door slams shut. Mm-hmm. God dog it, man, but I got to look in it, but it slams shut. So now door A doesn't feel as good. Maybe Jameis is like, you know what? Best receiver here, all y'all, you don't even want me. Yeah, I'm getting offered somewhere else. I'm out. Yeah. Now you're stuck with door C, which is, Taysom Hill in the last year of his deal and some journeyman backup that Mm -hmm. might have to play because Taysom gets hit, you know, gets hurt running all the time. So now you're stuck with a door that you never wanted to walk through. The odds are in the favor of door A, but let me tell you something. The odds of door C are greater than the odds of door B. Cat loves being Monty Hall. Now door B, make it happen. (laughs) Don't think it's going to happen. Make it happen. That's Steve Pelliquin, He's got beyond the game next. He's got Rage of Cajun softball all week in between here and Baton Rouge. All the games airing right here on ESPN 1420. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420 and .com.